Welcome to episode 289 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening to Stageworthy for a while, or maybe you're a first-time listener and you're listening through a link on the website, did you know that you can subscribe so that you never miss an episode? You can do that by searching for Stageworthy on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and clicking the handy subscribe button. And that way, every week, the newest episode of Stageworthy will be delivered right to you. And if you subscribe, let me know that you're a new subscriber. You can drop me a line on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is philrickaby.com. And you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and the website where you can find the archive of all 289 episodes is at stageworthypodcast.com. Did you know that I have a Patreon supporting my work on a new audio drama? Patreon is a membership platform that helps people like you support creators. For a monthly subscription fee that goes directly to the artist, you can help an artist create something new. For me, I'm taking my subscribers on the entire creation journey for a new audio drama for the Christmas season. Through posts, video, and live stream, Patreon subscribers will come with me for the entire process, from brainstorming to writing to recording, right through to the release of the new project. And for some subscription levels, I'll even create a special early release version of the project just for them. You can follow along at patreon.com slash philrickaby. My guests this week are Sarah Marchand and Brianna Maloney. They joined me to talk about their online production of Brianna's play, Cooking for Grief. Check out Alma Matters Productions for all the details. How are you both doing? All right. <laughs> I, would just, I would just like Let's to say that, that that sigh yeah. that I just heard is, is one of the most uh, 2020, 2021 things ever. Yeah, it's this nice formality to say, how are you doing? But like, I feel deep down, everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I wake up and it's the same day all over again. Like, yes, I'm yes. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but good overall, I suppose, is the correct answer. <laughs> I kind of feel like I wish that we could just sort of get rid of the idea that like when somebody says, how are you doing? That we have any obligation to say good all if right. we're not. I love that. You know, if only we could just be like, God, I don't know. You know, that's like a <laughs> legitimate exactly answer. Exactly what's on your mind. Yeah. Yes. Just exactly how you're feeling. You like, <laughs> do you have an hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in theory, yes, we do. Yeah. We'll just talk uh, about how we're doing for the next hour. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, listen, this is, this is part of it. This is part of it. It's the 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 fact that like with everything going on with the the state of theater and everything else who knows how we are right yeah we're in this together <laughs> yes yes we are yeah totally. um why don't we start off by telling me about 
where does, does this product, project that you're working on, does it have a title? Yes, it is called Cooking for Grief. Cooking for Grief. Okay, that's great. And um, what? tell me a little bit about the genesis of the project before we uh, talk about the two of you coming together to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Oh, gosh, I guess the genesis (laughs) occurred, I want to say, three or four years ago. Um, It really, I guess what, but it it goes back further, actually. Um, So in in 2013, I was in my, I was in my second year of undergrad. And I went, I was at theater school. Um, (laughs) So there was just a lot there were a lot of big changes that um, I experienced in that year. And one of the biggest ones was um, the loss of my father. Mm. Um, And that was, it was very sudden and unexpected and it really, really shook my, my whole world. Um, And I think one of the things that, I think one of the things, I mean, for anyone who's, who's lost someone extremely close to them, um, can probably relate that, that everything, your whole, I think your peripheries kind of change in, in the, in the first few weeks of, of having suddenly lost someone really close to you. Um, but, but there's also just, I don't know, there's things that, that I noticed happening around me that I and maybe it was because I was in shock for so long but um or felt like I was in shock for a long period of time but I I think what I think that like that was one of the dealing with dealing with the grief of having lost my father and um also noticing around me how particularly my my family um was dealing with it was something that, I mean, obviously I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, it was just, it was just something I was noticing. And um, it, it was really, it's really just how we all as individuals grieve and it's, it's different for everybody. But um, I think one of the things that, that I had been reflecting on and, and continuing to, to, to struggle with was, was how to, how to, connect with certain family members and, and how to, how to grieve essentially, which sounds, it's like hearing, hearing myself say that sounds really silly because like, what, what does that mean? How do we, how do we grieve? How do we express loss and sadness and all of these feelings? But um, I noticed, especially with, with one family member in particular who, who I'm really close with, like there was, there was, just this suppression. And then later I noticed that there was a suppression from me too. I mean, I went, I went right back to school. Mm. Um, I think maybe a week after it happened, I, I, um, I went to school, I was four hours away from Toronto, which is where I was living. And I, I went back almost immediately to finish my year because I think that's what I, that was my, um, (laughs) I guess you could say survival tactic was, was Mm. to just, um, just carry on and, and, and bury myself in work, which is what I did for the next two years. And then a couple years after that, but um, kind of realizing that nobody, not nobody, but it was really difficult 
for for my family to to connect in the way of of expressing our our loss and our sadness and and then I, I started to notice more like in my family particularly on my dad's side that like um it was that that, that a lot of those family members didn't really want to talk about sadness and talk about feeling this loss and that started to become a, a recurring theme that I noticed around me in my life and I started to notice it in other places that weren't just that were just personal to me and and this whole idea of what it means what does it mean to grieve and how do we express that but also how has our society kind of made it really difficult for us to express emotions and so I think that is the the questions that made me want to start to write about this topic mm. and these questions. Yeah. No, it's, it's grief is one of those things that um, we generally as a society don't know how to deal with because we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. We don't like, there's no, nobody prepares for it. And so often, even if people are expecting a death, they don't talk about it. Mm. Let's just put it. Let's just not think about it. Let's not think about it mm -hmm. because everybody wants to get to the part where they're okay mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. And the problem with that is that you end up just not dealing with it. And then years later, you have this breakdown for want of a, 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 another word um, where either it all, like, something happens and you have to, you have to deal with it. Did you find that, that writing this play helped you to get out what you really needed to, to say, to feel uh, about the, about all of this? It did this, this play originally, it, I didn't think it was, I wasn't really intending for it to, to go anywhere. I didn't know if it was at first it, it was, it was therapeutic for me. Like I will say it, it, it was personal. And then, and then I started to think about it as like, well, what if, Maybe maybe other people are feeling this way. Maybe there's other people who feel like they they can't, you know, express things. Or maybe maybe there's other folks who have who have family members who mm. who who also can't who aren't in the arts. And then and then I think I think in writing it at first, I don't even know if I would have called it a a, a play. It was more just like mm, <laughs> random dialogue. Maybe that's what a play is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It was, it was just like, it was just these little tidbits of, of things that I needed to write down to kind of get out to know that they were happening and to know that, that, that these weren't just things happening in my head. And then, and then I thought, hmm, no, I think that actually maybe, maybe there's something here. And I think like in almost, I guess, maybe we would call it like, then that became a draft. What would have been the first draft is like, no, let's, this is a play. And then, so of course, like then things changed and some circumstance, like things were, were change so it wasn't I, I could like have a little bit of a a little bit of space I guess so that it wasn't too 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 close you know um but it it, it did start from a very it, it did start from a place of like I guess catharsis and needing to express it so um in that sense yes it, it was helpful it was also difficult because once I realized that I did want to that I wanted to say something with this piece that then it was like okay this is um, something I'm committing to and I need to make sure I can do this in a way that's like safe for my own mental health and for mm -hmm. my own emotional well-being. And so that meant loss of breaks. And I think that's why it's taken <laughs> me so long and so many drafts to, to yeah. do it. <laughs> I know when I was the, I wrote a solo play 
years ago to deal with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to be able to protect my own, um, you know, my own, myself, my heart, my, my, like my soul, I had to, I've had to fictionalize some of it. Mm-hmm. It came from a very true place, but a lot of it was fictionalized in a way that just sort of like the themes were the same and the themes allowed me to, to deal with it. But um, it also, allowed me to protect some stuff that was probably too personal to like, I didn't need to be like going through therapy every night when I performed the play. So mm. like fictionalizing it really helped with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's what I meant when I said like um, getting into like the first and what would be the second draft was realizing that it needs to this. Okay. If this is going to be a play and if it's going to be a piece of art there, it needs, it, it can't be just <laughs> therapy. It, ne- it needs to be actually like for me it meant being based in, in something that was fictional while keeping the themes yeah. very much um similar and, and and still grounded in the themes but the characters and the circumstances are hmm. fictional so yeah that that's a thank you for <laughs> for saying that yeah now this was something that you this happened to you your father passed away during when you were in theater school how was the school with that or did you just like you went in it's like you you acted as though nothing had happened and it and nothing nothing got in the way or was the school supportive because i've heard stories of of people who who lost parents while at theater school and the school was not at all supportive mm. yeah i i have to um um I, my classmates were very supportive um I was actually living with, I had three roommates when I was in second year and they were, they were all in my, in my class. And, and so, because I found out, um, I found out what, when I was in my, my house with, with those roommates, they, they were there for me. And, um, um, I was very, very lucky to have all of their support. Um, and so inevitably, like my, my class found out and then teachers found out. Well, I mean, I, I did tell my teachers, I emailed them from home saying, hi, I'm not going to be in class uh, for the next week, at least, which which to me, because and uh, I say that with a bit of a smile on my face, but it's actually it's there's this idea when you're in theater school that that you can't you theater school and I shouldn't say theater school, but like classes and your training is at the utmost important Mm -hmm. thing when you're there and you cannot miss class. You cannot be late. You cannot. And while I respect some of the, well, I respect what what that's meant to do. um, It's meant to train actors to, you know, be, be disciplined and be uh, accountable for themselves and be on, be organized. I, I do think that there can sometimes be a lack of compassion when, when things in our lives happen and, and we're all human and, you know, um, I, I do. So I think some of that was missing. And, and mm. so I guess when I was telling my teachers that this thing had happened, it came out as more, it came out. I realize now that it came out as more of an apology <laughs> and more of fear of, of what the consequences might be for me missing classes instead of like, mm. instead of thinking like, no, 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 this is, <laughs> of you, course it did. You need to take a break. Like you no. need to. It's yeah. so unhealthy. I remember mm-hmm. when I was in theater school, I was sick, like legitimately sick. Mm. Like I was so, I couldn't keep anything down, all of mm-hmm. this stuff. So I took a day off from school. I said, I can't come into school. And they called me after that day and said, if you miss another day, you'll have to leave the school. 
Mm-hmm. And like that kind of shit is the kind of oh shit God. that theater schools are teaching their kids, you know, teaching like unhealthy. Like I understand the need for dedication, but sometimes your mm-hmm. body and your, your emotions and everything, you have to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did um, you and Sarah get together on this project? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been such a journey. (laughs) Uh, Wasn't it? Wasn't it at the, I think it was at the bar where we first talked about it. uh, I I actually remember you were helping us with a rehearsal. Um, So like I am, I'm primarily an actor. I started off in acting. I did acting school. Also just to add on, yes, it is such a toxic mentality that we learn in university. Like it doesn't matter if you're sick, you have to go to class anyways. I have this one memory of a classmate who was just like breathing in pain and Mm. the teacher was like I don't care you sit in the corner and you are going to attend the rest of this class like you cannot go home and I'm thinking now like in a post-COVID world that would never be acceptable like this person was just like dying in the corner (laughs) it can't ever be acceptable again that kind of shit cannot ever be acceptable ever acceptable so I'm like no wonder actors especially were so like you know, people pleasers. And it's really hard for us to set boundaries because this is literally what we were trained to do in theater school. But that's a little side note. Um, uh, Yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm an actor primarily, but in 2019, my, I decided to delve more into producing and I was working on a couple of projects that had been doing pretty well. So I was really excited with this new creative role as a producer and um, I was just about to open one show and Brianna was helping as a vocal coach for that. And she wanted to meet up with me a little bit beforehand just to discuss potentially working on a project together. So I said, sure. And so we met up and she was pitching some ideas to me and I was, you know, I was listening, but I was like, "Mm, not sure, not sure. And then I remember Brianna, you very, very subtly were like, oh, and also I'm writing this play. And I was like, come again? You're writing a play? Like, I thought Brianna was just an actor as well. I didn't know she was also a writer. She was like, oh, yeah, it's just cooking for grief and uh, this and that. And I was like, well, can you send me a sample? Like, I want to read this. And it was just a few pages. I think it was just a scene you had sent me. And I had no idea. We were we we worked together as well. We were co-workers at the time slash friends. But I had no idea she had gone through this tremendous loss in her mm. life. And um, I was just... I was really intrigued by the scene she had sent me. And um, I, I have a bad habit of just kind of, you know, getting excited with an idea and I just like hit the ground running. I want to go a thousand percent in. It's also, like a blessing love, and a curse. Yeah. I love how that's a bad habit. <laughs> well, because I, I don't realize what a shit storm I'm getting into until like much later. I'm like, oh my God, okay, how do I figure this out? But it's okay. Um, we always figure a way out. Um, but yeah, and then that that moment really stood out for me. And then I remember... Brianna and I actually had a shift together right before work and we agreed to meet for coffee beforehand. And um, I don't think you had your full draft written yet or it was in the really early stages. But uh, I just asked you very candidly about your experience and you just spoke with such beautiful vulnerability. I remember it was a cafe. It was kind of loud, you know, there was noises. And I just remember everything just kind of drowning out. And all I could focus on was like Brianna talking to me. 
So in my mind, I was like, this woman has a gift with words. Like I am so fixated on her storytelling. So I just, I got so excited from that point on. And yeah, so that was like late 2019, early 2020. And I I just, I think I called you one night and I was like, screw it. Let's, let's do, let's stage this. Let's do a, a play reading. Um, we didn't have, you know, the budget or the necessarily the means to do a fully staged production, but I thought let's, let's premiere this as a, you know, a kind of a performed stage reading. And uh, yeah, so we launched a GoFundMe. We partnered up with someone else as well. We were going to do kind of like a double bill stage reading. Uh, we raised some money. We got a cast together and we wanted to premiere this at Factory Theater May 2020. And then, um, you know, the world kind of shut down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were like, okay, I... I, I feel foolish about this now. I was really pretentious about the idea of a digital live streaming. I was very much like, no, we need to perform this in a theater, like nothing online. What is that? Um, so we, we took a little hiatus and I said, let's just wait until theaters reopen. But I mean, God, we're in almost May 2021 and we're not near that. So all that to say, um, we've been in chats recently and we're going to try and go for it and do a, a digital recording instead. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your uh, reluctance and perhaps your, um, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, your snobbishness <laughs> about a digital performance. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, cause I know I saw a lot of that, especially like March, April, May, 2020, there was like mm-hmm. people who were, who were just doing stuff, figuring it out and trying to do mm-hmm. stuff. And there were other people who were like, well, it's not theater. <laughs> and I always felt like saying like, nobody says it is, <laughs> but yeah. it's what we've got right now. Yeah. So yeah. what was your journey getting from it's not theater to where you, where you are and where you're like, let's just do it. You know, this is like, I have my tail between my legs kind of moment. I think ignorance was the biggest factor. I Theater is what I knew. I, I, I mean, I've done a little bit of film. I've never done any kind of live streaming thing. And so um, I wanted to stick with what was safe. And theater is what I know. Most of our team is primarily uh, theater-based, you know, performers, creators, uh, and I just couldn't envision what possibilities you could do with the live stream genre. Um, I also did see like a couple of things just when the pandemic started. And I think that was when everyone was figuring stuff out. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, you know, my ignorant brain wasn't willing to think more creatively of what mm-hmm. possibilities we could do. Um, versus now my thinking has evolved and things I've seen, there's actually been some really incredible things I've seen online. And um yeah, I, it's a it's a moment for me to check myself and say, well, Sarah, I think you were just a bit too close minded, and that's all it was. Like, <laughs> I don't be better. I, I I totally I totally agree with what you're saying about like <laughs> the idea of ignorance and not not wanting to like adapt to something that might like go up in flames. Yeah, is that is that maybe that's how I see it too? Totally, I was but, worried about that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me too, there was this big sense of not wanting to adapt out of fear. Mm. Like for me, I'm not a tech savvy person, even though I wasn't going to be doing all the, all the producing that, that Sarah has been 
working so hard like crazy to do. Um, I think for like, I think also what I'm realizing um, is that fear was also rooted in a sense of grief and loss from mm-hmm. live performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I don't, I don't know if you can, if this like speaks to you, Sarah, at all too, but like, I think a part of me wanted to resist just like a, just going ahead with this digital streaming because a part of me was like, no, no, we haven't lost theater. It's still here. It's going to come back. Like, and, and, and I, which I do still, I do still think it will, but I think that I was neglectful to, for us to do this thing online because it meant that it meant that we would be we would be coming to terms with the fact that theater isn't around, which like right now, unfortunately it isn't. And, but you know what people are, people are like, I'm I'm so impressed with what artists are doing right now and how they are adapting to it. And, but I, I I do think uh, for me anyway, it was, it was a lot of that, that grief of having lost something yeah. And just resisting, <laughs> resisting, adapting. But like, I'm so glad that that we are now. There's something about like the idea when you're when you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a play on a stage with an audience, and this is going to be the first time that people are seeing it. It's 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 that kind of thing. And then when you're thinking, okay, so that's that can't happen. We could do it digitally, but then, like, have we lost something mm-hmm. by? changing how we do it does that mean that we can't do it live anymore because we did it digital like it, it, there's a there's a, a new shift because there have been plays that have been created and premiered in this time which have been done digitally which could then still be done on a stage but i think in some ways in our minds because theater is so fleeting and because we don't have a history of of putting things out putting recordings out there um that it feels like oh if we do it online we can never do it live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which of course yeah. isn't true because we can. Mm-hmm. We can, but, you know, putting a little producer hat on, it's it's true from a very realistic standpoint. Like if someone has already paid to see something online, do they necessarily want to see that same thing again a few months later? Um it, in the, in the theater, right? Um, there's always something that's going to change because it's, you know, a different art genre that you're working with. So by nature, when you adapt something into a different medium, it's going to change. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is hard from a really like pragmatic point of view to think, can you still make money off of this? And I know, I know artists, we should never think, ah, I want to make money off of this production. But you know, we really no, should. Like, of course we <laughs> still do. Yeah. Of course we still do. I, I want to throw uh, throw something at you about the idea that that like, will people want to see it a few months later live? Um, have you ever like live streamed a band or bought a CD or a record and still bought tickets to see the band live? Ah. Heck yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I always feel like, you know, I've, I've seen productions that have been filmed productions mm. and all that does for me, like I enjoy it, but God, I really still want to be in the room for that. Mm. You know, it just is like I've I've that's just a taste of the performance. I will never be the same as when you're there. And so for me, it's just like seeing my favorite band live. If I've already mm-hmm. seen the 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 video version, 
I can see it again, but now they're there in the room in the same way that my favorite comedian doing a bit that I like or my favorite band playing a song that I love. I will still love that just as much, if not more. When you put it that way, I love that (laughs) mindset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, I guess a band is probably a bit less expensive to like, you know, load in because they don't have a set that they're working with or anything like that. But I do, it's, it's true. There is something so magnetic about having real bodies in a Mm. live space, experiencing something together. And, you know, that can kind of be replicated online, but it's, we all know it's, it's not quite the same at all. (laughs) No, and it shouldn't be. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think that, you know, after all of this, you know, yes, we did stuff online and some of that I think needs to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I think that, that, that live streaming from a venue, having a digital ticket, that's something that needs to continue mm-hmm. uh, to do otherwise is ableist and to do yes. otherwise is, is an idea that, that like keeps us as a nation where we're speaking just about Canada siloed in our different cities, never able to experience the theater in another place. We should open that up. And so this is yes. something we should take from this and still continue to, to, to do digital productions and, and things like that. But it's never, it's never going to replace being in the room. Yes. Yes, here, here. <laughs> I'm totally, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, doing this digitally, um, what are the the options that you've looked at to to present it, um, and and how where have you landed on on how it should be presented in this digital version? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> We've we've gone back and forth so many times about this. Like Sarah and I have, oh my gosh, have had so many conversations to the point where like we will talk over email and then we'll talk over Facebook. And sometimes we just say, Sarah, what did we decide on again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what did what have we no, we've we've made a decision, I think. <laughs> we have. We have. Um so I, I mean, we thought about, you know, having it in a theater space. Uh, the space itself was the most important thing, A, because of costs, but B, we wanted a space that was, you know, could be indoors, but also filmed as safely as possible. So uh, we landed on a space that is not actually a theater. It is a photography studio. But the beautiful thing about that is that there's lots of, open space and it's very blank as opposed to Mm. a theater you know you've got the seats and the venue and you've got the curtains and everything this is just it almost looks like an art gallery Mm. um so we're kind of playing with different artistic mediums here because we've also are in contact with a film crew so we're going to be working with a film crew but we've also got you know this photographer who owns a studio and we're kind of bringing all these different genres together in order to make it happen Um, We've also toyed with the idea of like, do we stream this live live, you know, like having the actors act in the moment or do we have a really nicely polished recording that we then premiere live, uh, you know, with a little chat box and everything. (sighs) Whether one's better or not, I don't know if they're, I don't know if I have an opinion on that. I just know the pre-recorded version, which is the route we've decided to go, seems a little bit less of a technical nightmare. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the route we've decided to go. And um, we're very excited about it. It's going to be a new experience. Mm 
it is absolutely a, a, a sort of a, a dangerous give and take. You know, mm-hmm. you put it something something polished, and it's it's not it doesn't have that necessarily that excitement of of something could go wrong. But also, mm-hmm. when things go wrong in your live streaming, mm-hmm. they really go wrong. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> but um, and you know what? The kind of cool, not kind of. This is really cool, actually. The the team we've hired. Uh, to film this, they are filmmakers. And I think I I always kind of felt this even prior to the pandemic, but I do think there needs to be more of a dialogue between different artists, especially people in the theater and film world, mm. because um, this, this videographer, he has such a cinematic eye and he can see things that I don't necessarily see because I'm so used to looking at it from just like a stage, you know, with the fourth mm-hmm. wall and everything. Um, but I'll talk to him about certain ideas I have. And I'm like, I don't know how to capture this through a camera, whereas he does have that. And so, you know, we're going to film in, well, we're hoping for June, but I'm really excited to see how this turns out because I don't want this to feel like we're just watching something that people, you know, are in their rooms. Like, I want this to kind of feel almost like a movie, but it's still mm-hmm. theater. Mm-hmm. There's there's this the the difficult thing because you know when you're looking at doing like another Zoom play, <laughs> yeah. um, the problem with that is that your audience has probably spent many hours of 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 each day already in Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. and now we have to ask them to treat this Zoom meeting like it's entertainment. And that's a very difficult mindset when we're trying to take – because when we go to the theater, we go into a building. We go for dinner. We go into the building. We walk through the doors. We walk into the space. We're surrounded by the the ambiance of the theater. We can maybe see the set or the curtains. It's transporting us in a way that you can't quite do. And we I, don't, I haven't seen somebody find a great way to do with a Zoom play. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think one thing that has really stuck out for me is – and this is something so unique to digital theater that you can't have in a live space is just that chat box. It's it's kind of fascinating to see. It's almost like a, a performance within a performance when mm. shows allow you to have conversations during the production. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to some people and they're very like closed minded about it. They're like, no, I want them to just watch it. I don't want people talking. But for me, I don't see it as people talking. It's almost like they are so connected to what they're watching that they want to share it with people. And this chat box is a way for people to do that. So um, that's something that does excite me a lot. I think the more you can kind of acknowledge the platform that you're working with, the better the production can be, as opposed to just like pretending like we're not just watching another Zoom play. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny you say that because... (laughs) I think I'm one of those people that says, I don't want to pay attention to what's happening in the chat box. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't, I still have not been able to adapt to Netflix party. Like <laughs> if, if I want to watch a film, I want to watch a film and I don't want to be distracted by all of the like comments coming in. Um, but I do, I do totally. I think that the, that, that op, like that, um, that extra thing that we have, that extra, um, element that's been added into this experience does it, it's exciting to see that there's a com- another community like our community mm. is still there watching and still is like we're there together I also think that 
what separates what separates watching this online to like, you know, being online with your work or being online and in, in whatever else meetings or whatever you've, you've, you've done for the whole day is, is, is the, are the themes and, and is the, the story that we're telling. And I mean, like, yeah, I, I think, I think we're really competing with like televised for like television and, and film. Um, but also we're kind of, I feel like this medium is now kind of blending into that medium, even though it's still kind of in its, liminal hmm. space of like what 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 are we calling this because it's not theater it's not like what so i think it's more about like what is the story and like i i i hope that the story is what keeps people wanting to to stay online you know mm. in a sense or like to tune in like to to pack up their their meetings or their their zoom calls for the days get some fresh air hopefully and then yeah. come back inside and <laughs> watch something that they can relate to and watch something that makes them feel less isolated. There's something interesting about uh, having that chat box going during the meeting. And some people will not pay attention to it and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but it's a way for the people who are, for people who really feel they need to engage to engage. Mm-hmm. It's their, their laughter in the theater. It's their, the sound of, mm-hmm. of, of other bodies that are also watching it. If they are engaging, however they're engaging, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're they want, are trying to be part of this show, which I think is a, a a good way to look at it because then they are like that's their audience letting you know they're there in the yeah. way that they can't otherwise. Mm-hmm. Totally, <laughs> Brianna and I are going to have to have a meeting after this. Like, do we have a chat box or? Oh <laughs> 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 yeah. my yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I I agree with you. I just. Uh, yeah, because, you know, to, yeah, I, I think it, it does open new possibilities that I hadn't really seen beforehand. And depending on what kind of story you're trying to tell, like I have seen productions where people will ask the audience right in the chat box and that will kind of inform the way that the the piece moves forward. So it's mm. exciting, you know, rather than the thinking I had last year, like, no, nothing's possible. I'm trying to be more <laughs> open-minded and just excited at like what possibilities we can do given with what kind of tools we're working with. It's so hard to adjust. To <laughs> it is legitimately so hard, but I have for the last year and a bit, I have been so impressed by theater artists in general who mm. Two years ago would have said, I could never do anything like this. I'm just not technical. I could never do it. And then out of necessity, they bought a webcam. They bought Mm -hmm. a light. They figured out how to do a green screen. And now they're figuring out how to use all these things. And now now, like, they've learned a a completely new skill Hmm. out of nothing. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And like, I I think that is kind of the role of the artist, you know, the, I, I try and think about what kind of arts and what kind of stories I'm trying to tell. And if my own thinking is just, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, or that's not possible, like, that's already putting such a limit to what kind of art and creations I can be sharing with people. Mm. Um, but you're right, it, it's so hard to adjust. And I don't want to make it seem like, oh, yeah, we'll just hop onto here. And it's easy, because it's not. But uh, it, it allows you to believe in yourself and know that you're capable of doing a lot more than you might have mm. thought of beforehand. Mm. 
Brianna, what was what was your opinion of 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 live streaming before all of this? Of live streaming, um, yeah, actually, that's that's funny because that that was one of the the things I think Sarah and I I feel like we spent at least a half hour or forty five minutes just debating over whether we were in a live stream or not, and and for us it was the question of yeah, do we live stream or do we do pre recorded? And my point of view, and this might again come across as pessimistic, was, well, I'm going to lo- I'm going to be opening up my computer screen and I'm going to be watching something through a screen. So for me, personally, I don't really <laughs> I don't really care if it's live streamed or if it's pre-recorded. <laughs> I, I just want a, I, I want a story. I want a good quality story, and mm. I, I want to be excited about that. So for me, it, it doesn't really. I, I was resistant about live streaming. Um, I do think for certain plays and stories that it, it might work better, especially with like, I've seen some really, really wonderful um, live stream plays in the past few months in the past year where, where um, artists have made it interactive mm-hmm. in that it kind of needs to be live streamed. Um, I'm thinking of one specifically at Tarragon. I think it was Tarragon that did it where, where you actually like they, they interact with you through your phone and through texting. And like, I think mm. there was another one where they send you things and Oh my God, that's so like, that's brilliant. I love that. And it gets me so excited. Um, I think live stream is great. I also think that it, it, I think what I didn't see before that I'm kind of seeing now, the more I think about it, is it also adds this layer of, of excitement. Like it, it's kind of, I think it's like now kind of our equivalent of sitting in the theater, like right before the lights dim and you're excited and you're like trying to like uh, finish a conversation with a friend and you're waving to somebody who you recognize. And like, there's that excitement of something live is going to happen that you're going to be a part of. And I think that that's now what, what live stream is for us is it's, it's knowing that, that oh my gosh something could go wrong mm. <laughs> and in a way for people like me who are a little bit afraid of tech like what if what if it freezes what if somebody's mic isn't on what if somebody doesn't unmute themselves for like an entire five minutes that is like my biggest fear now in doing <laughs> these live stream things um so i do i do think like now that i think back on it reflect on it more i do think that that is a really exciting element to it but I, I will I will say that at first I I wasn't really excited about live streaming and I didn't know if I really cared whether we did either or mm. and, and now now I do and now I'm I'm excited with the choice that we've made and I mm. think it is the right choice for us. Um but yeah, I I I've I've gone back and forth quite a bit, but it's hard not to. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to because that whole like something could go wrong. Um, things can go wrong in a live in a play in person, mm-hmm. but never quite to the extent that they can if a live stream is happening. <laughs> like if somebody <laughs> is muted and they don't know it, or the buffering happens and now people are talking over each other, or somebody's camera froze. Mm-hmm. And these are things that that like wouldn't never happen in a live play but now if they happen there's very little any of us can do about it mm-hmm. totally and you want to you want to or i want to help them but turn your mic on like <laughs> I, i've shouted that at <laughs> at my yeah. screen turn your mic on somebody tell tell them to turn their mic on yeah. and then they do and then it's all fine and maybe that's maybe we need that kind of excitement too and that kind of feeling of um uh what's what's the word being like that kind of a sense of like being afraid 
for, mm. for like mm-hmm. in a good way, but like wanting to support them. Um, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, physically, where are each of you? Uh, uh, Sarah, you're in BC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Brianna? I I am uh, actually just outside of Toronto. Okay. I I was living in Toronto um, a year ago. I was in the annex. And um, because both of my jobs, my one job was in the theater and the other was at a gym, those will be closed indefinitely. Mm. And so I decided to pack everything up and... Move on, move on in with my parents, which they have very graciously accepted. Like so many people have. <laughs> yeah. <had>. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't think I would ever, like, I didn't know if I would want to, you know, say that on a podcast, but you know what? I think it's important to, to say that, you know what? Like, yeah, I, I needed, I needed some help and some support and it's, it's kind of nice to be able to ask um, for help from your family when, there's a global pandemic and you just kind of need, so it's, it's, I, I definitely understand that it's, it feels, it is a privilege to be able to um, be here right now. I, I miss Toronto like crazy, but yeah, I am, I'm in my room. But you know, I do think that, that, that we need to be able to talk about this part of the, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The fact that, 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 you know, people are, have have left Toronto and had to move home with their parents. And it's not, these are things that we wouldn't admit to previously, mm-hmm. but I think we have to, and we have to like, everybody's experience of this is different because everybody has lost something different, mm-hmm. but, and it has to be okay. And it has to be like, well, you did what you had to do. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how we move forward out of this, not by shaming anybody who who had to move home or who who didn't move home or who had to change provinces or or mm-hmm. anything like that. This is all stuff that this is how people get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I, it, yeah, it's oh sorry, Sarah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say, like it's it's okay. It's so okay. Like, yes, I like now now that I'm here and I'm like I, I still have my days where I'm like, oh I miss I miss the city. I miss like seeing my friends, but like, I wouldn't be doing that if I was there right now. Anyway, I would still be in lockdown. I'd still be inside. And you know what? There is nothing wrong. There is zero shame in, in moving in with your parents for a little while and in, or in, in moving in with a friend. If you like, like whatever you need to do right now, that's helpful for you. And that like makes that is sustainable. I should say that is sustainable for you. Mm. Do that. (laughs) Just do that. Yeah. And it, like thing, it will things will be different, you know. Like so. Yeah, and we're definitely holding on to that because you know I was just talking to somebody in Australia, mm-hmm. and um, they were just about to open theaters to a hundred percent in Australia. <gasps> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I mean, they had their fringe festivals this year. Now, one of them had to shut down for three days because there was one case of COVID in the city, mm-hmm. but that was three days. Yeah, and. Yeah. Like theaters are opening and I think it's yeah. important that we, that, you know, we're doing what we have to do now, but we can see the the hope of it yeah. in the future. And it's important that we know that's coming. Yeah. It's so important to remind ourselves of that. And Brianna, I, I totally agree. It's just like, whatever is sustainable and you need to do right now to get through this, like, just, just do it because yeah, I, w- I was struggling in Toronto as well. I love that city. I know I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> but um, 
you know, one one positive I can take from this pandemic is I I wasn't doing well beforehand, and like Brianna, I I I, I use work to um, you know cover up all the things that are going on with me mental health wise, and I I was such a workaholic beforehand that I would just. Get, busy myself to the point where I didn't have to think anymore and to just have all of that go away. Um, I, I, I was forced to just sit down and be with my thoughts and I realized I'm not happy in this city right now. And yeah, I, I realized my, my move to Vancouver is kind of ridiculous, but I'm also can be ridiculous sometimes, but I, I'm very glad I, I did it because I feel like such a different person now. And uh, hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad for that. That is something I'm grateful for. It was quite an epic move though, to go, you went across <laughs> the country. Some people, yeah. went, you know, a province over or moved home yeah. a couple cities over, but, but you, you switched to the entire, like another coast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I ask you what, what, what it was that drew you to Vancouver? Yeah, um, theaters had been open here actually a little bit. And so I was lucky they're now closed down. But up until November, theaters were open. Uh, they had like kind of little seating pods and you had to wear your mask. But um, just the film and theater industry was still doing overall much better than Toronto was. Um, I've always been interested about the West Coast. And it just kind of felt this like this cosmic kind of calling. I, I have a good friend mm. here and she was looking for a roommate. I was feeling really unhappy and, you know, disoriented. And so, yeah, I, I literally just bought a ticket on impulse and <laughs> that was it. I left. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the beginning, you know, I, I tend to say yes to things and then realize like, <laughs> oh my God, what have I done? So that was another one of these instances. <laughs> so you, had you been to Vancouver before? No, never. <laughs> so you'd never been there before and you were like, well, nope. that's where I'm going to live. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm here. <laughs> it's a good time. All right. Yeah. No, that's... No, sorry. Go ahead, Brianna. I was going to say, and she's convinced me to get out there as soon as I possibly can. Yeah. I see these yes. pictures of the mountains and the water and the trees <laughs> and I cannot wait it's to go cool. I have to, to tell you, you, years ago, I had a friend who was like, you have to come to Vancouver. You'll love it. It's it's May. The, the we already mm -hmm. I know it's still cold in 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 Toronto, but it's the spring has sprung here. The patios are mm -hmm. open. I was like, I'm going to come and visit for a week. And my plane landed, and that night it started to rain. Oh no! And it did not stop raining until the day that I left. And in the <sighs> middle of the week, I was like. So this is a lot of rain, huh? She was like, no, this is nothing. Winter is this all the time. And I was like, I'm never moving here. <laughs> I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, it's true. The winters <laughs> are very rainy, but I, I choose that over snow any day. So that's, <laughs> that's just my that's purpose. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. Just as we start to um, get into the close of our time together, um, one of the things that I find that I, I've wanted to ask everybody who's been on in the last year is about about joy and what has been giving them joy. So um, if you could share a couple of things, each of you, that have been giving you joy. Hmm. <sighs> um, you know what? Just because we, we just talked about moving home and, and changing locations, I know, like, I think in the beginning there was a bit of, like, I, or there is a bit of a, of a stigma, but, you know, 27 year old living at home, which again is like, 
awesome. It's awesome right now. But you know what? I think something that's been giving me joy has actually been the time I've been able to spend with my parents that I wouldn't have otherwise. Like mm-hmm. things like going for walks, watching watching silly TV shows together, um, having di- like taking turns making dinner. That mm-hmm. has actually been a really great sense of joy for me and i'm I, i'm actually i feel very lucky to get to have extra time with them that's wonderful mm-hmm. sarah uh, yeah <laughs> why am i so emotional with this question oh my gosh that's okay um, <laughs> that's okay it's okay to be emotional yeah. about a question about joy yeah yeah it's thank you for asking it um i it's funny i, I so just to bring it back maybe to this play and I um I, I was originally interested in this play because I've always been fascinated by death and how people process grief and loss. Um and I realized like before the pandemic I was interested in this topic, but yet I wasn't really exploring it fully. And I've realized now like we're here for such a short time. And I'm so grateful for the people in my life. And um, I just want to take the moment to like appreciate everyone that is close to me and uh, just making art that speaks to me, whether or not, you know, it becomes a commercial success or whatever, it it, it nourishes me. And um, I, I get a lot of joy now just, just from the people in my life and the art that I make. Mm. That is lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I would like to thank you both for having this conversation with me. And I I, I can't wait to to see this show once once it's filmed and available. Woo! Yay! It's gonna happen. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no, it will, it will, it will. <laughs> thank you so much for having us, Phil. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. <laughs>